This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Previously on Homestale Radio. That's that next World Cup song there, isn't it? <laughs> All we are saying is give kids a chance. Right, right. If Nick sings any more today, that's going to be it for me. I'm quitting. <laughs> Johnny Esther was mentioned. Obviously, the upsetting things that have been in the press have been comments from his agent, former Palace useless striker, Jamie Morley. Useless <laughs> um, <laughs> <youthless> indeed. <laughs> uh, he's... If you, could, if you could rewrite the lyrics to On the Streets of Philadelphia as well, I can get you the karaoke track. <laughs> For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. Good evening and welcome to Homestar Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm here to guide you through our latest podcast, for which I'm joined by the venerable Mr. Mark Ross, the eager Mr. Tony Piers, and the far too actually insightful for this show, Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Evening all. Afternoon. Evening, oh, you Chris did it. Far. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Never remember the, uh, you know, <laughs> the time difference. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> So you join us as we take a look at all things Palace now that the team have begun their pre-season training. We'll also take a cursory early look at things on in Brazil as the World Cup, or no Palace coping mechanism as it's also known, draws to a close. We admit we're losing a little bit of interest here, but to keep things connected to Brazil, Mark has shaved his pubic hair into a thin strip and is fueled entirely by Guarana. Rather confusingly, he's also wearing a coconut bra. Not sure what that statement is, um, but on we go. True, true. It's entirely entirely inappropriate. What am I going to say on the first game of the season? We'll talk about this later. (laughs) Really, really, Mark. Anyway, so we'll talk about the players that have left since our last podcast and the rumours in and out of the club, as well as talking about whether those already getting worried at the lack of bodies in the in column have anything to worry about. We'll also chat about the club's new sponsor and kits before we finally round up what the club is doing in the near future in terms of pre-season games as the excitement ahead of a new season builds. It might help to think of this as whole radio's pre-season training, although we hope you'll be suitably entertained anyway. On with the show! So first, it's a little nod to the World Cup. Uh, a detailed appraisal up to the quarter-final stage has been authored by our regular blogger, Viathan Richard Foster, and is available for your perusal at wholeradio.net slash blog new. I really, honestly, when I wrote this, that sounded like a normal sentence. 
but I've used the word Leviathan and perusal for just no good reason. Who speaks like that? Um, anyway, so we're recording this. So you even this show. know there are many of those words. <laughs> well, I do, but there's no need to use them, is there? You need to stop buying that word of the day toilet, baby, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we're recording this show ahead of the first World Cup semi-final, ridiculously close to the first World Cup semi-final. <laughs> yeah, much Indeed. closer than intended. <laughs> Ten minutes. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the start. And, uh, anyway, um, so, yes, uh, Brazil will be taking on Germany, and the second semi-final is, of course, Holland versus Argentina. So, looking at those as, um, as a group, I mean, I'll give you my, my sort of views first, lads. Um, I'm a bit taken by uh, by Brazil's ability to sort of be a physical side now. That's not something that they're known for, but they've you know they've they've made an awful lot of fouls. They've you know, been a very very unBrazil like team at times, and obviously they've now got a couple of key injuries as well. And you know, part of me thinks that the German team of there's no not really any controversy about Germany. Um, you know, they're they're a tight group, but and in a way they they kind of deserve that in my view. Uh, and, and the second game, I'm, I'm finding that the Netherlands have somehow managed to out-cheat Argentina. So I find myself almost on the side of the Argentinians there. So I kind of, I'm kind of hoping for a, a Germany-Argentina final. Uh, what do you reckon, Mark? You stole my thunder, as per usual. I actually fancy, <laughs> uh, as, a, as a neutral, a Germany-Argentina uh, final myself. But... Uh, who knows? It's, uh, there's no outstanding teams in in the tournament. They've all got you know the positives and their negatives. But um, I think the most entertaining final would be, as you have just alluded to, would be Germany Argentina in my opinion. Okay, and Patrick, um, your your views. It's been an exciting World Cup, and we're we're very near the end. So so, what's your views on what kind of a final you'd like to see it, and why? It has been a great World Cup so far. I mean, but. Heart overhead. I could never see myself rooting for teams that have no respect for England, like Argentina and Germany have no respect for us. They beat us every single time we play them. So I would definitely be rooting for more of a Brazil-Netherlands final with maybe Netherlands winning since they haven't won before. But I'm not really that bothered whoever gets in the final, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, just kind of want it over now. And exactly. Get, get with Alice. Yep. Um, Tony, uh, so your, your views on the same topic? I'm almost in the same camp as... Uh, Patrick on that well I'm not too fussed anymore um, I personally I'd like to see Holland win it just because they've never won it before and it allows us to if we win another World Cup to go ahead of them whereas Brazil Argentina and uh, Ar- uh, Brazil Argentina and Germany obviously are going to be difficult to catch so I'm thinking Holland um, although I I think it would be nice for Argentina to win it based on the fact that I'd like to see Messi become one of the greatest players that's ever played um, I think he's a great talent. He's quite a humble player as well. He's not like the other um, so-called very good Portuguese type player. Um, <laughs> so I'll keep it as that. And um, I don't know. And uh, the other, the other, um, the other outstanding player in this World Cup has now broken his back. So yeah. he's, uh, ah, a shocker, he's out. Really. Um, yeah. On what you said, um, you obviously you're picking up on on Messi and. You know what a great player he is. Do you feel that that criticism people label him that he'd never really performed at international level, you know, on, on the world stage, if you like, for for Argentina until this World Cup? Really, do you think winning that World Cup will finally actually cement his place? I mean, he's still incredibly young when you think about what he's achieved, but do you think he needs that to to truly be thought of as one of, if not the greatest ever? 
Yeah, I do think so. I think um, it's interesting. An earlier conversation um, we've had regarding other great players like uh, Yusuf and um, Johan Cruyff. You know, these were great players, but they've never been in the same bracket as Maradona or Pele, who have actually won World Cups. And you know, I've I've no, I didn't have the pleasure of seeing either of those two players play um, due to my age. So it'd be nice to be able to see you know one of the greatest players ever play play while I'm watching football. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. I just momentarily lost Patrick. I was just going to ask uh, ask to follow up there. Um, I'm been looking through the the sort of headline performers at the World Cup and trying to sort of pick on the sort of the the biggest stories, the biggest achievements. And it's it's hard not to start with Costa Rica. Um, I, I just, well, let's talk, let's talk to you then, Tony, about Costa Rica. What it what is it that that's impressed you most? You think they're so unlucky to lose on penalties? to the Netherlands they got out of they topped England's group you know they looked like the whipping boys before the start of the tournament in that in that group and no one gave them a, a hope in hell of getting probably a point yet they went on and, and were unlucky not to be a quarter final side yeah I think they were unlucky I think they were definitely the surprise package of the World Cups um, I think they, they remind me of a certain Premier League team that, um, <laughs> that I, I, I know a little bit about mm-hmm. uh, very very defensive <laughs> you know good on the counter and have a very good goalkeeper so um, I'll, I'll yeah, let you so, decide who so, that is. So Tony, you haven't listened to last week's. Oh, sorry, last week, last the last podcast we did, where I said the exact same thing. Then uh, <laughs> no, I have. It's not. good. It's good. It's good to agree, isn't it, Patrick? Hopefully, you're back now. We're talking about Costa Rica, and uh, you know Tony's mentioned that they remind him remind him of Palace. What's the sort of your, your overriding feeling of of how Costa Rica achieved what they did? It's a great. Um, achievement being that they come from the region in which I live in. I got to see them play a lot of the um, earlier qualifications and they weren't as as good as this and it's great to see how the coach basically set them up to be a defensive team, as Tony said, who catch teams on the counter-attack and they've really uh, enabled a lot of their lower um, type players to get a lot of um, publicity such as the goalie, for instance, Navas, who's now everybody's talking about maybe getting a bigger deal somewhere else and a, and a couple of the defenders. So, um, uh, it's, it's really pleasing to see a team who no one expected to do anything do so well and I was kind of gutted to see them lose to Netherlands on uh, Sunday because I really wanted them to go a little bit further even though it would have spoiled everybody's plans having them in the semi-finals it's nice to see them get that far and do yeah. that well yeah definitely but I mean I think they could be incredibly proud of what they, what they achieved Mark you've, um, you've called them dark horses before but did you really feel that before the tournament? I wasn't calling them dark horses it was just it was just something that was said about so so often throughout the tournament about the the so-called smaller nations being dark horses and and as I said to uh, everyone earlier there were there wasn't really any dark horses at all in the tournament because every team you know had had you know a superb game at one stage or another throughout the tournament and and there was no no teams were disgraced no teams were thrashed or no teams got well beaten and then didn't come back and perform well again and it and it was and it and it was refreshing to see a tournament with 32 teams in it where it was so competitive and i thought it was just you know from a neutral's perspective taking <coughs> that out of the Spain. equation i thought yeah. it, i thought it was uh, a fascinating and really really and is a thoroughly enjoyable world cup yeah. with where it, and it's great that it's so unpredictable. There's no outstanding teams. There's there's players, there's teams with outstanding players, individuals, teams like Belgium, for example, who got so far, and obviously Argentina, but Brazil, 
and you've got Messi and and such like. But the but you haven't got a team of fantastic players. You've just got teams that just work hard for each other. And uh, I think that in that respect, it shows that you don't have to have natural ability. You just you just need to play and focus as a team and play as a team. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I did did enjoy Tony's shout of Spain. There it also occurred to me that it's weird how the worst team in the in the World Cup actually ended up was being the holders. But um, I mean, also you took you obviously the, the subject there was being dark horses. One of the teams I picked out as as a as a dark horse, not by man Trump, it was was USA. I felt that they would. They would do something in the tournament, despite how hard a group that they had. And well, Patrick, I mean, obviously you've got a unique perspective on that. If you sort of give us just an idea of how it was, you know, viewing it from 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 the US. Yeah, without a doubt, the the team captured the hearts of of everyone over here. Um, usually, soccer doesn't get as much coverage as it does with other sports over here. But the players and the president got involved, and it was really nice that. They performed well, and even though we had some very tough losses, the last two in the Germany and Belgium games, people really did take to it. And I was, and I was really hoping we could have gotten one more game to get to that quarterfinal against Messi, because Messi versus USA would have been over here. We've got some great scriptwriters over here, and it would have, would have made for a great Hollywood script if we had gotten a chance to take Messi out of the World Cup. Not literally, I mean, just beat them, not kick him out of the World Cup, obviously. But um, it was just great uh, performances, and again, it was just. Too bad we couldn't beat Belgium, even though we were dominating that game and were lucky to only lose two one. So, sorry, so, sorry to interrupt, but can I just ask what what's this what's this sport you talk of called what is sock, soccer? <laughs> sorry, football. <laughs> no, but it, it, you know that that on a very sort of superficial level is a sort of um, it's a sort of thing that obviously you know I've, it's almost a, a lazy kind of um, you know sort of stereotype to label it. The US because of you know the, as you said football is a growing sport um, but I mean I, I did think that we were you know the British media was quite um, sort of condescending in a way as to their observations of how the, the the US public was taken to taken to the game and you know one of the things that was said was that the um, you know the, the, the reaction to that final you know the, the defeat was actually you know pride pride in their team of how they fought and. And that's something that the US are not used to. Is that a fair, 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 fair thing to say that, that US supporters generally see winning as as the ultimate sort of pinnacle, and, and everything else is, you know, well a loss. Yeah, um, in in most sports, um, Americans will not tolerate losing in any way, shape, or form, whether that be Olympics, whether that be hockey or basketball. But in football. Um, we understand that it's not it's not our sport. It's something we've come to in the last, let's say, really honestly, in the last 10, 15 years, as far as like players going abroad and playing and getting known and it being brought over here with the teams going over here. Like this year, obviously, Liverpool's coming over here to play and Man City's coming over here to play and Palace, Palace are coming over here to play <laughs> right at the end of, end of uh, July. And it's just, it's just starting to take hold now. And um, I think we, we're set up now over here to really go for, forward the next four to eight years because of what happened in Brazil. Um, but again, we don't like losing over here. So the fact that we lost didn't go over well. But again, the, the purest football fans over here understood what we had to get through. That group, for instance, with, with Germany and Portugal, just to get through that group and get finished second was a big deal. And, and everyone talked about how great Belgium is because, you know, talk about the golden generation of uh, Belgian players and how great they are. And uh, so to get as far as we got, I think, was, was great. It was just, again, it was too bad we couldn't have gotten to that messy match. It would have been phenomenal. 
Okay, uh, Mark, you got anything that you want to want to check with Patrick about the US performance? Well, I just wondered whether he thought. I mean, I thought the USA played superbly, and I just wondered whether he thought that the uh, country is taken to soccer, you know, a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> a little bit more from this tournament, and because. There's such a massive platform to build on, and I, I can see the USA being a real force in four years' time. Do you think that? Um, this is the thing in, in in this country. You know, you've got fo- you've got American football, you've got baseball, you've got basketball, you've got hockey, and then you've, then you've got uh, English football. Let's Ooh. call it exactly. I must say it again. So um, we are. It's, it's low in the tone, Paul. But you know what? Because this country is a country of immigrants, I think that that has really spurred on the growth of the, of the sport in this country. So. Will we be better in four years? Without a doubt. We've got academies set up in this country. The EPL is very big over here. MLS is growing every every year. We're getting better players come over here. We're keeping our, our better players, you know, or bringing them back from the EPL, let's say, or from, from Italy, like what happened with uh, Michael Bradley. So it is growing. It's just that, honestly, we are not where we need to be as far as, like, the way it is is the number one sport in Brazil and in Argentina and in England and in Germany. So until that happens, or at least we, we can get higher up on the totem pole with the, with the other sports, it's never going to be that big. But I think we're definitely going to be better off uh, in four years, without a doubt. Great stuff. All right, Tony, let's have your interesting facts uh, instead well, of uh, any further discussion, because then I want to move us on. I'll, I'll, do t- I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my quick thing on the US, and then I'll tell you my, my interesting fact. Um, I thought, although the US played well, I thought they got pummeled against the, uh, Belgium. Although Belgium didn't play very well, they had 38 shots and 26 of them on target. Uh, so it sort of does say something about how well Belgium finish. Um, you know, only, only two goals out of 26 on target shots, but that's a lot of shots to have on target, and that's why Tim Howard got the accolades he did. Um, I agree. My, one th- one thing, Tony, in the game, the next game, they had two shots on goal. I wish, England, wish England had that many shots. In <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole tournament. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> my, um, Moving my, on. My interesting, my interesting fact, I mean, I'm worried I've hyped it up a bit now. Um, <laughs> the, the quarter, it, it, was, it was a bet that a friend of mine put down um, on the quarterfinals, but... Um, what was interesting is that in the second round of matches, um, all the teams that topped their group got to the um, quarterfinals. Exactly. So none right. of the second, none of the second place teams managed to get through. And a bet on that was um, three hundred and fifty odd to one. Wow. And my my um, my insert expletive here, mate, put five quid on it. Oh, happy days! Yeah, as they say, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, it's weird though. It, that it's worked wow. out. I mean, this, obviously, we talk about how great a World Cup it's, it's been and still is. And in two minutes' time, we'll be trying to continue this podcast while watching the <laughs> semi-final. But uh, but it really has been such a uh, such a great tournament with so many headlines. And that that Tony, you're, you're right, it is an interesting fact. And more than that, it it shows that you know the teams were able to generate some momentum. And you see, what our, our biggest problem is that. Is that England never generated any kind of momentum, not going into to- into the tournament, and not when the competitive football started? And you know that's why we're we're forced to sit here with no real emotional sort of involvement in it, and just try and appreciate the football. Which, in a way, I think you know it's been a been a nice experience this time. It's not always a nice experience to uh, to watch a World Cup without you know a team you're emotionally involved with playing, but 
you know, it's it's been a good one. Uh, last little bit to move us uh, as we go in and talk about transfers and things like that. Um, I wanted to mention the performance of Algeria, and the reason I, I picked them out as an, you know one of my three headline performers: Costa Rica, USA, Algeria. Was Colombia? No, Colombia. No, they're they're a great side, but but Colum- they they did really really well, and I wasn't too sure about them first of all. But you know they had a line. The a line was led by a, a thirty-eight and a half million pound striker who played for Monaco. You know, who was True. already known as a very good player. I'm talking about, you know, the, the ones I picked out are all teams that were. You know, considered almost cannon fodder, like just there to make up the numbers, and even by people who have got you know a fair amount of knowledge about them, didn't really think that they would um, have an impact. USA had a very difficult group; people didn't really expect them to get through. Like I said before, Costa Rica were considered the whipping boys in in, in England's group. It turned out to be England, uh, and and Algeria. I mean, not too much is known about you know their, their sort of their players. Again, they're they're a team; they're an organised team they battled defensively and you know but there was a couple of little players that stood out for me and one of those we'll talk about in a moment who's who's uh who's their sort of main centre forward but I wanted to pick out the, the left back um Goulam. Um I've never seen a, a left back with with a touch like that. Um I was unsurprised to find out that he was he's at Napoli now. Um you know who who are assembled a pretty decent team but he was just I was watching because I was watching the World Cup thinking we need a left back who's good at left back and this guy was absolutely sensational you know defensively he he was put under an awful lot of pressure and it's hard to tell because there were so many sort of bodies in and around the ball for Algeria that you can't really tell how he is one-on-one because he was never left one-on-one but um but certainly going forward you sort of I say the, the touch on the line was just Phenomenal, and that, that's someone I would have liked to have seen us look at. And don't know what the potential is for how or how long he's been at Napoli, but um, but there you go. Um, so let's let's talk about transfers. <laughs> there we go. We're done. What transfers? <laughs> um, all we've got at this stage, obviously, is mainly mainly rumours. But there there are you'll be surprised at how much there is to actually round up. Um, I want to talk the, the the exciting stuff. First of all, is obviously who's rumoured to be coming in. Uh, so we do have one player. Yeah, I know. Goalie. I know. Goalie. I know. We'll. Um, I say we'll, we'll come to that. So let's but let's talk about. Well, you know, if you want to talk about confirmed, confirmed in is Chris Ketting, who's uh, a keeper. We mentioned it in the last podcast. A keeper who was, um, you know, who'd worked with George Wood before at Blackpool. Um, who was brought in? He, you know, I think he's 22, so he's brought in as third choice keeper. Uh, can play overage under 21s, I believe. Um, it might be one of the overage um, players in that side. But basically, yeah, that's our that's our one signing so far. You know, and a lot of people getting nervous. Are they right to do that? Well, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But um, in terms of rumours coming in, it's pretty. It's it's starting to hot up. I mean, the guy I was mentioning was Islam Slimani, who was the um, sort of the figurehead of the Algerian attack. Um, so obviously saw him in a few games. Seemed to have a really good touch. Uh, seemed to lead the line well, and he looked effectively looked like a slightly more dangerous Cameron Jerome. If you like, <laughs> you know, that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> And I know, difficult. I know people might suspect that anyone is a slightly more dangerous Cameron Jerome, but what I mean is that does him a disservice for the fact that he runs, you know, he runs the channels brilliantly, holds up the ball well, and I think Slimani did all of those things. Plus, you know, he he, you could see he was eager to get a shot away, and 
the uh, the negatives, I suppose, for him are that he's he's obviously playing at Sporting Lisbon now, but I think he's only been there the one season. I think he got eight goals in about twenty six games, something like that. So not prolific, and he wasn't prolific in in the Algerian league. He's already twenty six. Um, but what's the most surprising thing about it is the fee we're being linked with paying uh, in the Portuguese press is ten million pounds. Um, so guys, let I mean I'll, I say I can't really ask you all, but I'm going to start with um, I'll start with you, Tony, actually, and then we'll have a chat with Mark about it, and then we'll start with Patrick on the next one. Um, so this guy, I don't know, did you see him play in the tournament? Did he stand out to you? I watched Algeria a couple of times. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really pick out individual players. I think mm. they played well as a team, so I didn't. I didn't. It, it wasn't a name that stood out to me. Um, Ten million? Ugh, no. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. I um. There's one player I would really, really like to go and get, who we're rumoured to get. Um, I don't know if you're going to talk. You're probably going to talk about him a bit later. Yeah, uh, and I would rather we spent the money on him than right. um, than if, on that if, a guy that's not necessarily as not necessarily uh, prolific as you like. Let's keep it cryptic. And if I don't mention him, you can bring him up at the end. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you will. It's quite a big, big rumour. All right. Okay. Good. Um, so, Mark. All right. Let's let's talk to you. Um, 10 million quid is the kind of inflated price you see in the press, usually put in there by an agent where, you know, we're not, you, you, we're certainly not under uh, the CPFC 2010 uh, ownership. Do we really get ripped off for any kind of players or pay anything stupid? But, um, you know, what, uh, I mean, obviously, what were, what were your thoughts of him as a player during the Cup, World Cup? Yeah, I thought he looked, I thought he looked uh, promising. As you say, he's, he's, he's not a youngster. 26, he's played about uh, 20 plus games for Algeria, I believe, and he's got a, he scores every other game, roughly yeah, for Algeria. For but I don't know, but I don't know like who the oppo have been. Uh, I think uh, I can't really see Palace paying that sort of money for anybody, to be honest. I mean, I but saw, you- uh, I saw. Uh, 11 million for Ross McCormack. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Ellie fell off my chair. But what what I, I don't see is I don't see Palace. I think Palace is is looking to the future and uh, I I don't know. It would have to be either someone established who you could really sort of say they they they'll score 15 to 20 goals in a season or or they'll take a youngster. And um you know you know, I thought he, I thought he had a good tournament, but I just cannot see Palace paying that sort of money for for somebody who's only really paid at Sporting in the Portuguese league. Yeah, and that's a fair point, mate. Obviously, you know that that's one of the many strikers we've been linked with. Uh, the reason he's up first is not only was the link with the World Cup and potential to talk about you know the inflated fees that you get at the World Cup, but also he's the one who. Who the well in the Portuguese press they were adamant that something was agreed. So, you know, he's probably the, the closest I've seen in terms of a striker that we, we've been apparently signing. Uh, Patrick, we're going to talk about Stephen Cool now. Um, uh, played at Cardiff last year, obviously ex Tottenham. Uh, played on loan at Swansea for a while as well. Towering centre back, England cap, eight million pound release clause. We're competing with QPR amid rumours of if Everton and Liverpool interest. Clearly, if Everton or Liverpool come in for him, we're, we're you know we're going to be second choice there. But you got to hope, that in spite of QPR's money, you'd see Palace 
you know, eleventh place we finished, we'd see him see us as a good option. Um you you rate the guy, you see much of him, and can you see us spending eight million on a centre back? Um we could do another centre back for sure, um, as a cover for obviously Delaney, but he wouldn't be covered, he'd be obviously starting. But um oh, I've yeah. seen him play and um, I know they rated him a lot last year. He's probably the player of the year for Cardiff. But I didn't like him when he was, you know, the Tottenham. I know he didn't play a lot there. I remember he was in the Olympic team, and I didn't like him in the Olympics at all. I didn't think he played well at the Olympic, Olympic team at all. But, I mean, he's, he's come on. If he was that good, honestly, he should have played for England in the World Cup because our centre-backs weren't that good, in my yeah. opinion. So, he didn't make the squad. Um, but, I mean, at $8 million, I guess I'd like to see us get another centre-back and he's as good as, as out there but I just I just don't think that's going to happen honestly I'm just not sure if that's um, he's going to come here honestly I just feel we're going to get pipped by the bigger <laughs> club or uh, one that's like keeper will spend more money on him so with wages yeah. and stuff like that so I'm not yeah. sure about that one It's difficult isn't it particularly trying to buy young English talent I mean obviously one of the things we're trying to do is is keep to our our sort of principles of having the players having resale value exactly um, exactly. so Corker fits the bill there definitely so when we talk about oh we'll never spend that much money quite a lot quite often you've got to offset what we might get for him even if it fails so that that's one of the things we're looking at uh tony you got a view yeah that's the player i was talking about all right <laughs> i would i would i would spend the money i would get his out of his he's 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 a very very good center back in my opinion I think he's the one player in Cardiff's team that went down that shone. Um, I mean, you could, some people would argue, well, they went down and, you know, he was a defender, but, you know, you need a whole team. Yeah. Uh, you can't just rely on one guy. I think, you know, he's young. Um, resale value, I think, is going to be very high. I mean, he's an English player, so his, his value is always going to be high if he plays well. And if he can strike up a decent partnership with Dan, I think we've got two, you know, very good players. Uh, youngish centre-backs and the resale value on them. I mean, Corker's, Corker's name's been touted for a while as um, a very, very up-and-coming youngster. Yeah. And I think 8 million, if we can get him for 8 million and convince him to come to Palace and he plays well, uh, we could sell him for, you know, close to double that because teams will pay for decent centre-backs, um, especially English ones as well. And if he, you know, I think we've got the potential this season of having a couple of um, England caps um, you know, there's there's definitely one player which we all we all agree potentially should have had one already. But I think this, if we have another good season, he'll get capped this year. And I think Cork is another one who potentially, because our centre back partnership, um, well, I think England's defence in general hasn't been that good. So I think no, you, um, you, I think Cork, I think Corker potentially could get called up if he has a good season. And we are a defensive minded team, so he's gonna he's gonna see he's gonna hopefully shine. And then you know. He'll get a call up from that, and therefore his resale value will massively go up. So eight millions a bargain if we can get him. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Yeah, um, and it's funny you mentioned the the international partnership there because I could realistically see Dan and and Corker as one of those. I'm so impressed with Dan. I think he could. I think he could easily make the step up. And you know what with Joel Joel Ward as well. You alluded to that's. Um, I use Mark's word alluded anyway. Um, yeah, could have three of the English back for it. So um, moving. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Swiftly on with, uh, weirdly, this is, I'm only going to mention this in passing, really, that I'm a bit confused as to why it's cropped up, and there's a possible link with... Um, Shelby. Uh, you know, well, it's, it's Shelby. It's, we were linked with him before he joined Swansea. He's only been there, obviously, a season, and we've been linked with uh, going back in for him, and... The only sort of logic that I've seen anyone really apply as to why that might be the case is if Swansea are trying to follow up their interest in Johnny Williams and we've gone in and said, well, give us Shelby, you know, we might consider it, but let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, although Shelby is a very, very good player. Uh, did a, had a fantastic goal in the, towards the end of the season last from, from an halfway line, basically. Uh, great technique, strong player, um, you know, done incredibly well at Swansea. So, so certainly a player Ooh. I'd like to see, but... There was a woo from Patrick. I wonder why. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Oh, wasn't that, was, that was me, and I'm not saying anything more. All right, fair dues. <laughs> oh, I've just seen what happened. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, we, we, technically, we, you know, we could break live news of, of an event there, but it wouldn't be live when people hear it. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. I've, got, I've gone on about Shelby. Uh, who do I pick? Mark can't really keep things brief. Let's give him a chance. Come on, Mark. Dig in, son. Um, John Joe Shelby, yes or no? Um, personally, no. No? What's your basic brief reason for that? Um, I just, I'm just not a fan. I just, uh, it's just a personal thing, I suppose. I'm not talking for, you know, whether he, he would be a benefit to the club in general. I just, I just not, I'm just not a huge fan. I just think he's a bit overrated, personally. Think, I just think he's a bit personally overrated. Think money, money may be better spent elsewhere. Well, yeah. we'll put it this way. He signed for Liverpool in... May 2010 for 1.7 million and I'm thinking now how how much is are, are Liverpool going to want no he's at Swansea, Swansea now, rather I mean sorry I mean how many how much is Swansea going to want now yes uh, well, uh, sorry we went for 1.7 to Liverpool then he went to Swansea a couple of years later for five mm. and now now they want yeah. to shift him on how much Palace going to have to pay for him I don't know I, I think we're I think we're all right in 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 that area really alright you've got to ask why they want to shift him on as well yeah well this, yeah, I exactly. say I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, there's, I'm not, there's a reason for everything yeah as you say there may be a, uh, something to do with Johnny Williams in that there, there may be maybe a fallen out with uh, the boss but you know I don't personally I couldn't give a shit whether he turns up at <laughs> Palace or not <laughs> thanks, thanks Mark thanks Mark um, well, talking of shit I suppose it could just be a journalist throwing some at a wall and seeing what sticks again yeah exactly so yeah, yeah. We, don't, we don't know there's yeah. any truth in it it just seemed a very odd one I thought I'd mention yeah that's what I mean they come out um, of nowhere it's not I, like someone you know yeah. I know we have been linked with before but every club seems to get linked with everybody left right and centre at this time of year so. yeah, um Zaha is a repeating one. Um, I don't really think there's any need to discuss it um, in any major detail. It's interesting because I, I've started to see this little slip in people um, over the. We know if you actually stop for a moment and think about how much we know about Wolf Zaha as a player, uh, it is a total no-brainer if he's available and willing that we should get him. Um, but because we've gone a year, because we've finished 11th, because he struggled at the top division, all of a sudden, you know, he's not a premiership player. 
And bearing in mind, these are sort of things that labelled quite a lot of our team when we went up. And, you know, perhaps the logic was there to say so. I mean, people said Delaney won't cope at the top level, and he was a superb performer. People said a lot of our, a lot of our squad would, you know, would struggle, and a lot of them didn't. Um, so it just seems odd to me that people are then ignoring that kind of logic and ignoring the fact that a player settled at a club being played the right way and being allowed to express himself like Zaha would be. It just seems odd that people are, are suddenly looking at the way he performed in a in a disjointed and awful Cardiff side and the way he was ignored by a you know manager who was quite quickly shown to be not up to the, the task that he was given at Man United. So, it, you know, I do think that there's a case there that if they want to let him go, we could almost do... It's almost... You go back to us uh, getting AJ as we got rid of Morrison and then getting Morrison back for less money that we received kind of thing. It's that kind of a deal. If we can get Zaha back in for less than we sold him for, um, he would... You know, he would he would really I'm sure he would thrive back at Palace. Whether that will happen, I don't know. Whether it's realistic, I really don't know. And don't really think I want to talk about that anymore. But Victor Moses also been linked. Had a poor World Cup, chaps, but you know, carrying an injury, not really played as much. So what do we think? Let's start who do I want to start with? Patrick. Um as you just said, he had a very poor World Cup, which is a shame because um I think it was really a, a, a carry-on from not playing at all for Liverpool this year. But I, I've always liked Victor Moses as a player. Um, he had a great um, um, Nations, African Nations Cup for Nigeria and helped them win it um, a couple of years ago. So I think he'd be a great addition for us. And, uh, you know, he's a local kid and we know how he plays, etc. So if we can get him a reasonable price, I'd love him to come back. I'm just not sure if it's, uh, you know, if it's just another one of those rumour things that actually might actually be viable. So hopefully we can get him back. Yeah, definitely. And... and- Tony, can you imagine a front line that includes Zaha and Moses? Uh-huh. No, it'll, it'll it'll be one or the other, in my opinion. <laughs> mm. But if it yeah, even but... happens, I I think it's just one of these um, paper talk things. It would be quite cool, but then the problem is that if you incorporate those two players, you potentially lose out on Balassi, who was improving exponentially towards the end of last year, and Punchin, who was one of our top scorers. Well, absolutely, but it's a squad game. We know about that, and um, you've got to have quality in depth because you've got to ask yourself. Were we quite lucky towards the end of last season? We didn't lose any of those key players. Who did we have to come in to replace them? We've let a lot of the um, you know the weak, well the fringe players go, uh, and what comes in has got to be got to be high in quality. And those are the sort of players that we've got to be talking about, and and we are talking about. But whether they're right or not, we don't know. Uh, one would very, they really very come, would they well, come to sit on the potential bench? Oh no, not at all. But you've got to say a player will in the in the Premier League. It, it's no matter what club they join, generally speaking, you know, barring the promoted clubs, there's a strong possibility that form will dictate how much they play, um, and it would be the same for any player coming into Palace. We, you know, we've got to, we've got as as Steve Parrish says quite often, we've got to start to raise our ambitions a little. We've got to start to believe that you know some of these players, you know, we actually we are a good option for them. You know, we we finished eleventh in the Premier League last season. We want to build on that. We've got one of the best managers in the league. You know, he was given the, the the accolade as, as best manager in the league by the, the you know the other managers in the Premier League. So, you know, we've got a lot going for us. We shouldn't ignore that. And, and players like okay, we you know we'd have a slight obsession with going back to players, and sometimes we'd like this as our Moses in this case. But you know, we've got a, we've got every reason to believe that they would want to come back and want to prove themselves again where it all started. Uh, we've also been linked with Fraser Campbell. Um, Mark, what do you think? Good player, like him a lot. 
reminds me a bit of uh, Dwight Gale in many respects. Maybe he's a bit too similar to Dwight. Um, but things quality signing potentially and um, I think it's around what a million or so I don't know what his wages are but um, I think I think he would be an excellent signing the thing I want to say just to go back briefly was you were saying about we've got to raise our sort of you know ambition wise you know our transfer targets and so forth but I think I don't think we're in that situation anymore I think that the board and the club are quite sensible about what they do and in the fact that we've actually managed to tie Shamak down to a new contract, unconfirmed, and and, and well, unconfirmed, okay, but uh, we're we're nearly there, and he's taking a huge um, uh, wage cut to do so. Shows that 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 players want to come to Palace, or or the players that have come to Palace want to stay at Palace. I'm not talking about Tom Ince, of course, because he did the Tour de UK rather than. Uh, stay with us but that's not a problem uh but i just think that that we we have raised the bar and and, and t- uh players want to come to palace and the players that come to palace um you know uh seem to want to stay you know as long as the the club wants to keep them so you know that's my point you know yeah, so i don't think we should i don't think we should make the club sound like we're you know second best you know to everybody else and we'll get them if nobody else wants them i don't think that's the case anymore no, it's a good general point you make, and, and I agree with what you were saying about Campbell as well. I do think he's a good player. Some of the reactions been a little negative, saying obviously he didn't score goals at this level with, you know, you know, particularly prolifically for Cardiff. So, you know, why are we why are we targeting him when we've got Dwight Gale? But you know, it's not that long ago he was, you know, he was winning an England cap, and it's not that long ago that that you know he absolutely tore the championship chip up playing for Hull. And they're still only twenty six years old. He feels like he's been around for a long, long time, but. A decent player. Um, I'm going to run through some really, really quickly because I'm very aware we don't want to carry on too much longer. Um, Nicholas Bentner was one we very nearly uh, did, deal very nearly did during the last window. Uh, I've heard some degree of rumour that he may have um, may have actually been told us he was about to sign for us and was actually said the same thing to West Ham and not too sure which of the two he was going to pick in the end. But um, but basically, as far as we were concerned, if Arsenal had signed. Um, it wasn't our bar, wasn't it? Denver bar. If they'd signed him, we would have had Bentner. So um, now he's a free agent, obviously free to negotiate wages, fitting with his, um, should we say, self-confidence. I'm not too sure he's someone we'll go back to. But uh, very quickly, Patrick, was Bentner someone you'd like to see at Palace still? No, not at all. Um, that ship has sailed. Um, I remember the whole frenzy that, that, that night when we were going to sign him and he was, you know, he'd come to the training ground, et cetera. And I think at that point we were so, we were kind of desperate for a, a strike. That would have been a good um, decision. But I think at this point now, he proved, I mean, he, he did okay for Arsenal before he got hurt and stuff like that. But I don't think he was the kind of player. I actually really prefer to get Fraser Campbell if we can get him. I'm also a big fan of his. I like him. I think he's got some good potential. Again, he's been around for a while, even though, you know, you think he's only, he's been around for, only 26 years old, but I think given the right service and the right team and the right, you know, the, the right players around him, I think he can be a very good player for us. So hopefully, that might go come come through. Definitely. Um, also, one we've been linked with is uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson at Spurs. That's that's one that's not gone away yet, but doesn't seem to have developed from the early stages of interest. Uh, we were linked at the same time as we were linked to Michael Dawson, who I'm not too sure will be leaving Tottenham. But Sigurdsson's another one. But uh, a lot of the things is where where do we play the guy? You know, play the same potential role that you're looking at Johnny Williams to come in but it's a Gerdson's class you know real real classy player 
He really is. Sigurdsson is, a, is such a... If you watch him play before last year, he's such a great player. He is really, really good. I don't care where you play him. He, he'd be a quality addition if you can get him. But guys, if you were saying uh, midfield, O'Shelby, Sigurdsson, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd go Sigurdsson every time. And, you know, it's going to yeah. be big. It's big money. But again, it's the sort of target we'll be looking for. Tony, any views? <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think I think Sigerson I didn't. Just so you know, I did do that deliberately as you made a noise from watching the football. Go on. <laughs> yeah. uh, I told you. I told you. I said before. Anyway. Um, no, I think I think Sigerson's a class. I think um, um, he's Iceland, isn't he? Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. They they came very close to qualifying, and he was a big part of that. I think he's a very class player. He's got a lot of Premiership. So I've got to stop saying Premiership. Premier League experience, and I think. Um, as much as we'd like Johnny to um, to step up, I think if you had uh, someone like Johnny Williams, who's got the potential to be very good, um, or someone who's proven, I, I think unfortunately, I hate to say it, but sentiment comes out the window on this one, and you've got to say that go with the experience and what's proven. Yeah, and again, there's no reason that you can't have both um, in, in with the way the game is now. And you've got to say, you know, if you look at the flexibility of players and being able to play in different positions. There's no reason, in my view, that Johnny Williams can't play alongside Jednak for some games. You know, you might people sort of sort of uh, step back from that, thinking he's too too much of a you know too diminutive to play in that role. Obviously, he won't win many headers, but you know, I've always said he's tough enough to play that role. And if he's got Jednak alongside him, we don't need to win much in the air. Uh, he just needs to give us the sort of the drive, you know, from from the centre of the park. And I really do think that. There's a case to say he can fill in that role whenever Ledley's doing something else. You know, at the, at the moment, I think Ledley will be starting as a, you know, potentially as a left back if uh, Joel Ward goes back to right back. But there you go. Um, last one we were linked with uh, from the World Cup was um, sort of least impressive of the Australian wingers, really, Tommy Orr. Uh, I'm not sure how much there is going on that. He seemed pretty quick, uh, but didn't have didn't have the best of tournaments. But um. But apparently, yeah, been linked with big money move there. But again, in the press, it's one of those things of the World Cup, I guess. And that he was he was linked with us for five million quid. You know, this is a completely unproven player, really. Um, you know, you, you'd be hoping that okay, he's an international. We maybe you have to part with six figures, but you'd be hoping it would be nowhere near that. So again, you got to think maybe there's a bit of the agent um, talking there. But again, do we want to go for a for a winger? Yeah, I'm just trying desperately to ignore the uh, the scoreline coming through. Wow. So much for Patrick's thing about saying that big teams don't get thrashed. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, obviously, you'll know the result by the time you hear this this show, but uh, we're hearing it live. It's quite distracting. Anyway, um, so there can you we, go. Um, that's, can, that's, we maybe, can, we, can we maybe talk? I mean, I know it's something that Steve Parrish said that wasn't necessarily going to happen when we interviewed him but maybe talk based on now we've seen the World Cup realist, potential realistic targets we could go for people we'd like to see um, we'll save that for another oh show oh my mate. god I think, I think we'll save that for another show um, obviously we've already <laughs> mentioned Tony shut up we've already Sorry. mentioned uh, Mario and Shemak well, see that's, that's the rumours we're going to cover today um, Mark's mentioned Shemak is pretty close to agreeing a two year deal with Palace apparently that is unbelievable. Now, Mike, Mike, he added point, please. What's that? Mark, I can hear the game through your speakers. Uh, it's the volume's off, mate. Well, I can it's hear. Must, it. must be the cat. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. I haven't got the game on. That's right. It's fine. 
refocus, please. Okay, so that's the. Um, I'm really hoping Mikey edits that. He won't, the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the um, so we've we've rounded up the rumours we wanted to cover. There's plenty more out there. Just visit the message boards, and you'll see all sorts of insane things, as well as some that might be a little bit more realistic. But Marouane Shamak is rumoured to have agreed to deal with Palace. Literally just a case of putting a signature on a bit of paper. He's apparently had discussions with QPR and Bordeaux. Um, but it looks like he'll be remaining at Palace, which is a great signing because um, he's just a superb player. Haven't the whole been sniffing around? Sniffing oh, they've been on. sniffing around everyone, haven't they? But I don't <laughs> really know. <laughs> um, the only other rumour that I've really caught um, of, of an out was Yannick's been linked with um, both Everton and Liverpool. Uh, obviously, we're currently negotiating a deal with him, and I dare say this, that's got a lot to do with it as well. You know, it's all about bargaining positions and all that sort of stuff. But um, according to Steve Parrish, I think in the press not too long ago, uh, talks with Yannick are progressing nicely and hopefully he'll be confirmed uh, as extending his deal soon. And Yannick himself said at the end of last season all he was really interested in was extending his deal at Palace. You know, he's talking about how happy he is playing here and that's all he, where, all where he wants to be for now. So... Uh, developing nicely and um, if he keeps that development going uh, it should be a real handful next season so that's that's the only rumours on the out so the confirmed outs um, there's plenty of them in terms of a list uh, I've picked out a few of the most recent things uh, if anyone's bothered Neil Alexander went to Hearts um, Alex Winter that, that's one so we can just quickly rush through he's obviously still contracted to the club um, he's now gone on a seasonal loan to Portsmouth, which would be great for him. He's, he's a player who was rated so, so highly as a 16-year-old. Um, uh, he, he was thought that he would play for England, all these sorts of things. And he had a horrible time for a couple of years with injuries, you know, losing his place in, in our, well, under-18 slash under-21s for a while. Couldn't get a, couldn't really get a game, couldn't really recover his match fitness from that injury. So, you know... Still a really, really good player, still under contract, and one of those that, that Pulis has earmarked for the, what he talked about last season, which was getting the decent, good young players, getting them developed, getting them out, playing week in, week out. Great place to go and play football, Portsmouth. Okay, League Two, but big crowds, big atmosphere, lots of pressure, you know, lots of, they're a demanding fan base. Uh, they'll, in spite of their problems, they'll think that they've got a chance of promotion. It should be very, very interesting for them. I think you'll have a lot of work down there. In terms of their, um, you know, their performance in the league, but that's a that's a good positive one. So, uh, in as mentioned earlier, has joined Hull. It's not really an out as such because he was only on loan to us. Um, interesting one. Most people are going to taking the attitude of not really being too bothered. I just asked Tony, uh, and and just just you, Tony, on this one. Um, to how you how you feel about Inns going to Hull? Uh, if I'm honest with you, <laughs> I just realised why you've asked me. Um, no, I'm, I'm also not too fussed if I'm honest with you. Um, I think Ince did a good job in one game against West Brom. Um, but I felt, you know, there was a lot of hype behind him. He's still got a lot of potential. Um, and we may find that he comes to haunt us, uh, considering he's gone to Hull. But I think, um, you know, he, he didn't, you know, as you said, we were playing uh, players that were on form. And he couldn't play himself into the team. Um, so, you know, we've got two very good wingers in Balassi and Punchin. Um, we, we do need to get another one. But, you know, uh, it's, 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 it's a shame, but, you know, because he could have developed with us. But, you know, there's, there's, there's other, there's other uh, players we can go for. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say on it. <laughs> 
By the way, you just stopped talking um, because of an obvious development. It's really, really going to need you to focus, lads. I've been going to actually watch this game properly. Um, <laughs> dig in. Um, okay, okay so focus. They, focus, focus. focus. Um, okay, uh, Dean Moxie's gone to Bolton uh, as Johnny Parr turned down a move there only to sign for Ipswich. Patrick, can you summarise Moxie and Parr for me? You happy with the moves that they've got? Yeah, um, just as um, I'm sad to see them both go, I, I like both of them. Um, I know they didn't necessarily work out for us last year, but they were great in the championship. They were very important to getting us up the you know the year before, so I'm going to miss both of them. And I think they're good moves. I mean, obviously, Moxie going to play for Dougie. Dougie knows him very well, so that would be a good move for him. And obviously, Paul wants to play. It wouldn't make sense for Paul to go to the same place as Moxie because mm. he had the same problem he had here. We wouldn't get a chance to play. So, I mean... You know, good teams. I mean, both going to challenge, you know, I think, next year, for, you know, for promotion next year. So, I think they'll both do well in, next year. So, good luck to both of them. Definitely. Uh, I think the interesting thing, if you've been perhaps a bit cynical about it, is both those players um, joining championship clubs, I think, probably suggests that those who labelled them as championship players were, were accurate. Um, you know, if, you, if they're going to leave a club on a free, if you, if you can't get top division club, I think it shows that maybe ability-wise you're just lacking that extra little bit that will, that will make you a Premier League player. Um, so there you go, that, that's our transfer roundup. Um, slightly disrupted by some phenomenal events in the football, but we're bringing it together now just as we come to an end of, of the show. I do want to do a quick nod towards um, the sponsorship uh, again, I don't think there's any need to go into the, into the details initially planning, but just to summarise it, um, the Nutella is the name on it, so all Nutella jokes are banned from Homestay Radio all season. <laughs> uh, oh, that's uh, too bad, that'd have been great. It's that just, honestly, Twitter ruins it. Twitter ruins yeah, everything. That's true. It really does, you're right. You know that, you know that moment where you, you see something and you think, oh, I'm going to make a joke about that. Twitter ruins that because you go, oh, look, 500,000 people exactly, had the exactly. exact same thought and did it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you suddenly realise, no, you're not funny. And right. you're just the same thing as everyone else. So we'll have to ignore Nutella-based jokes. Um, I don't know. we have to get quite subversive with it. I'll have a think through the season what we can do. But, um, yeah, so they're part of Optimal Payments Limited. They're essentially PayPal that is the sort of a PayPal equivalent, um, but usually for gambling sites and... Um, you know, obviously, they're looking to expand that into other areas. They see us as a growing, com- you know, growing club, and they feel themselves as a growing company, and that's why it's all come together. Good deal for the club. Um, the question, really, of how it looks on the kit, is entirely subjective. I think Mikey thinks it needs. To, is that Mikey who said it needs to be, need to be yellow on the home kit? Probably. Um, but you know, I think it's 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 not a, it's not an intrusive design. I don't. There's a few people who don't really like it. Most people seem to think it looks better on the away kit than on the home kit. But you know, I'm pretty happy with it. It's not ruined any of your guys' opinions on the new new kit, is it? No, not uh, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of the Churchill sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, good show. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I think um, people have gone over the top with their complaints about it and stuff like that. But again, I, I really have a lot of maybe I have a lot of trust in our, our owners, and I think if they wouldn't have done something that would have been you know um, bad for the club. And again, we needed a, a good sponsor. It's, it's a brand new one. I'm sure the money is good, even though I don't know how much it is. And I think it's just going to be a good deal. And whether the, the the logo is white or yellow, I don't think that's a big deal either way. But I can understand people getting a little bit um, upset about how it looks on the kit. But I think it's a great deal, and I'm sure. Or use the money wisely, which is the most important thing. So, yeah. Well, I've got a rant on the way, but I'm going to give Tony a quick chance because he said he did have a point to make. 
Well, I mean, I, I, I sort of made my point about the fact it reminded oh. me of the Churchill yeah. sponsor, but I will oh, say that, that <laughs> I, I will say though, you know, from what I saw from the comments, you know, uh, ta- uh, not I'm saying tag um, GAC uh, Logistics um, said that they couldn't afford what the club yeah. wanted in a sponsorship, and they were they were a championship while we're in the championship, so. You know, you, you can only assume, which is obviously good from the owner's point of view, that we've got a lot more money from um, Netella uh, for our sponsorship. It's a two-year deal as well, which is good. Um, and I, I did notice the funny comment when they said that, you know, we've been with Crystal Palace through the, um, the hard times and the good times, you know. They, they were with us for the promotion. They were with us for the administration and the really sad heartache of our playoff semi-final loss which I don't seem to remember myself. I remember an FA Cup finals a lot, but, you know. Uh, well, they, so, no, they, they were our sponsor when Watson missed against... Crystal City. Crystal City, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... They missed um, out the FA Cup I, one, didn't I, they? I, uh, I, think it's a good, I think that's a good place to start talking about GAC as I begin a little bit of a rant. Um, GAC obviously did, did get priced out in the end. That's, that is an absolutely fair comment. Um, they... You know they they had stuck with us for a long long period of time, um, and yeah, I mean that's that's the price of progress, isn't it? Sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, they the, basically their deal was for a number of years, and they got a year in the Premier League with Premier League exposure for, you know, for Championship price. So that's you know, that that was kind of their reward, if you like. It's a shame they couldn't compete, and in a, in a way, you feel kind of an obligation to them because they did support us in such t- tough times, but. You know that that's it's a sign that the club's moving on, and it's a, an impressive deal that that's been negotiated. Um, and what seems to have happened is is a few people. I don't know why why these things have suddenly become important to people. Maybe you know maybe they always were important. Maybe they always sort of did have some sort of impact. You know, I, I don't ever remember worrying about too much about who was on on the front of the shirt. I never really thought about what the companies did and that even goes for GAC I never really thought about what GAC transported for all I know it could have been human trafficking or weapons or something like that I really just don't know but all of a sudden people have looked at there was a lot of talk that they didn't want the new sponsor to be a payday loan company you know you know this fair enough there's a morality issue there about them preying on you know their whole business model is preying on people who can't afford loans being given loans and, and you know that sort of stuff but you know, you, you'd be able to pick out quite a few companies that you wouldn't really want to see as a sponsor on your shirt. But we play in a division that's heavily linked with Sky, which is, you know, owned by the Murdoch clan who have, you know, under under their tutelage, they had to close down a newspaper because of illegal phone hacking. So where's the morality there? We play in that league. These people still watch Palace in that league. Uh, you know, Barclays, you can do some research. They've got their own... Um, you know, murky situations. You look at Carlsberg as a as a partner of the Premier League. That's a, you know that's a drug that can destroy lives. Alcohol. There's all those sorts of things, but people don't seem to worry about um, because they watch a Palace in the Premier League. And all of a sudden, the fact that Netella is handling gambling money is is you know uh, is somehow distasteful. And I just think you know people sometimes people have possibly got too much time on their hands. Let's just leave it at that. Um, I think it's a really positive move. Clearly, if GAC were priced out, we've got some, some good money coming in, and that can only can only help the club. And it certainly seems to have been considered uh, the type of company that we would attract. It's not a bookie, an out and out bookie. It's not a payday loan company. It's not something out you know outwardly distasteful. So there you go. That's the end of my rant. I just didn't didn't really see what people were upset about. 
fair play if you don't like the way it looks on the kit. Again, I think you're probably taking it a bit too seriously, but you know, it'll be a different shirt next year in a different situation, so you know, don't get too worried about it. Uh, there you go. That's it. That's me. That's me on sponsorship. Um, pre-season fixtures. Uh, well, pre-season fixtures. Let, let's just pick out a few of the uh, the ones coming up. Um, we'll, I've got we'll think I've, about I've, maybe covering some of those I've, if we can. Uh, the, the opening first team pre-season fixture is, in fact, uh, the, the training camp in Austria against GAK Graz. Uh, I do know some people who are going to it, so I'm hoping uh, they'll be back and we'll have some sort of a report from one or two of those if we can do so. If you are going out there and you are listening to this and you fancy giving us a, a shout to tell us how it was, and and that'll be great. Uh, I think um, so. That's on July the 16th. On July the 18th, obviously, while the team are away, the development side will be playing Beckenham Town. So that, uh, away, that's a kickoff at uh, on, a, on the Friday. At uh, at seven thirty, so that's something. Hopefully, we'll get down to maybe. Uh, and the last one before, hopefully, we'll have done another podcast. Will be uh, Cray Wanderers again. That's obviously play. They play at Hayes Lane in Bromley. That'll be another development game. Uh, that's on a Tuesday night at uh, a quarter to eight. Again, we've uh, covered stuff there before, so maybe we'll do that. And that's all ahead of uh, the US tour that hopefully Patrick will be covering for us to some degree. Anyway, Definitely. that's it. That's all I wanted to mention there. Um, I think everyone's back. I can't really hear anyone. Oh, there we go. Hi, guys. Hello. There we go. Um, I didn't... Halfway through that, I completely lost audio. And I just realised it was... I'd unplugged my headphones. So I was effectively wearing a pair of earmuffs while doing all of that talking. It's good, doesn't it? Very fetching, I'm sure. And sounding great. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so that's it. That's it for the show. Uh, Thank you, obviously, to Patrick, to Mark, and to Tony. Cheers, guys. Much appreciated. No worries. um, Thank you. So we'll be back some point after the World Cup final and as the Palace preseason machine grinds into gear. We're trying to cover as much of the preseason as we can, either through commentary, live updates, reviews, that sort of stuff. Uh, we'll also try and plan some degree of a special show to kick off the season in style, as we usually do. And we'll definitely be giving away a ticket for what's likely to be a sold-out, high-demand opening trip to Arsenal. More as we know it. Anyway, speak to you soon. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.